so we've looked at biblical imagery over the past few weeks um, that is uh, biblical imagery of, of the uh, example of God's love for us. And so we looked at how a mother's love is uh, very much parallel to God's love, how a father's love is very much parallel to God's love. And then the, uh, a marriage, the love within a marriage, the parallel that's there to the love of God as well. And today, we're going to look at, at a, a fourth image of that um, that I think is probably the most all-encompassing of God's love. Um, but, you know, as, as we get into that, you know, I, I guess I just want to say that as we understand God's love, we also understand more of our value to him. And it's one thing that I think too many of us forget is how valuable we are to God and how much we matter, that you matter and you matter to God so much that he gave everything uh, for you and that there is no limit to God's love for you. We, we try to put limitations on God's love and it's just not there. We sang about it and I think virtually every song this morning we sang had something to do with that. Um, and so as we look at these different images of God's love, I hope that this understanding of his love really helps to not only impact your relationship with him, but your relationship with others. And so I've got a story to kind of start with here that um, I think is a, a really cool parallel to the love of God. And it's something that happened 100 years ago. 100 years ago in February, uh, this past February, February 1921, there was a doctor, uh, and his name was Dr. Evan O'Neill Kane and he was 60 years old, and he decided to test a theory. And this theory that he wanted to test has now impacted all of us in some way, shape, or form, I would say. Some of us maybe a little bit more than others, depending on what's happened physically in your life. But he, uh, he was a doctor at this time for 37 years. He had done uh, over 4,000 appendectomies at this point, so he was kind of the guy that did that. And he was arguing for many years that using a local anesthetic was something that could be done for a surgery like this. And I got to remember, this is 100 years ago. And so local anesthetic, if you don't know, if you're really dumb about those kinds of things like me, that means uh, essentially that they're not completely knocking you out, that they just would maybe do an injection in the area in which there's going to be a surgery, and they numb that area, and you're awake, and they still do that surgery. Uh, and as I've said, that's affected many of us. And so this theory he wanted to test was that a, an, a local anesthetic could be used for an appendectomy. But nobody was willing to be the guinea pig. Nobody was willing to be the volunteer at that time. And so it turns out that there was a case that was uh, crucial, that it was somebody that needed this surgery done like immediately. And that person happened to be himself. Dr. Kane himself needed an appendectomy. And so, yeah, you guessed it. Dude performed his own appendectomy on himself, right? To test this theory that a local anesthetic would work, he gave himself an appendectomy. And yeah, this, this, is, this is a picture of it. Don't worry, there's no more pictures. This is the only one. Um, if you're like me, you're like, that's good. Um, but yeah, I don't know about you. I don't think I could do my own appendectomy. I'm good like... I'm, sometimes I struggle with like putting a band-aid on myself. You know, I'm like, Val, can you please put the band-aid? I can't look. But so cutting myself open and like ripping out some innards, I'm, no, I'm good. But this guy, this guy's savage. And, and he, but he loved people and his patients so much that he was willing to lay down his life for the future of medicine and for future patients 
that he knew this would benefit and this would help. And obviously, you're, you're probably seeing the parallel that I'm drawing here with this. Um, because he, he used this to gain trust to, uh, for patients that, that maybe had second thoughts. And he wanted to prove that this would work because he was so confident that it would work. Um, and so he became the patient for the sake of future patients. I did find this out in, in reading a little bit about him. This isn't the only surgery he did on himself. He did a couple others. I'm like, man, okay. But here's the thing. Jesus did something far greater than this. While this is interesting and, and kind of cool, Jesus did something even more remarkable because he willingly laid down his life so that you and I could find life. That is how he loves. That is how Jesus loves. And the shepherd, if you will, became the sheep so that we, the sheep, might know our shepherd. If you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 10. We're going to be looking in uh, the Gospel of John chapter 10 today. And, uh, and, and this is a, a, a great passage to read. And I hope that today after we're done, you're going to have a little bit different perspective on this passage. It's, there's probably some verses in here we're going to look at that you may have read a few times. But I hope that there's a little bit different perspective on these today, especially in terms of the way God loves. Because this passage actually comes directly after, funny enough, John chapter 9. And in John chapter 9, numbers, right? And in John chapter 9 is the story of Jesus uh, healing the blind man. If you haven't heard the story of, of Jesus healing the blind man in this way, he, he, makes, he spits in the dirt and makes mud and puts it on the guy's eyes. And then he's like, now you need to go wash that off and you'll be healed. And so that happens. And, and there's some other things within that that I'm not going to get into that part right there. But, um, but it, it's a really awesome miracle that happens. And, and so this chapter is actually in response to that. Because what happens is, as this is happening, the religious leaders and even some of the, some of the Jewish people at the time have a big problem with this have a big problem with what Jesus did and they start questioning his authority and they start challenging him and the, the man that was healed, he was even cast out of the synagogue. Um, they were like, we don't want to see you. We don't want you in here. And so they cast him out and they throw him out. Yet he continues to worship Jesus. He, he becomes a follower of Jesus and follows him and, 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 and that's really a great thing. Obviously, I mean, he was healed by him. Um, and so Jesus' response to this whole situation of how he's being challenged in all of this is really a lot of what John chapter 10 is. Because what Jesus doesn't do is he doesn't argue back and he doesn't get defensive like we all like to do, like I like to do. He breaks down how he loves us and the way that that should impact all of us. And so with all that background in mind, Let's start at the beginning of John chapter 10, verse 1. It says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he is brought out, all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. You might be like, okay, why is he responding with talking about like sheep and such? 
Well, I'm going to explain it to you because you got to remember one of the first rules of public speaking, know your audience. He knew his audience. He knew who he was talking to and he knew that they would understand this. First thing Jesus wanted everybody to understand was that those who came before him were not true shepherds. They were thieves and they were robbers, as I had highlighted there in the previous slide. Thieves and robbers. See, it's the right kind of godly love versus the wrong kind that ends up robbing you. And too many times we get confused because we're not looking at some of the, at some of the evidence for maybe what's influencing us. There's an indicator here that Jesus calls out, talking about the thief and the robber and how they gain entry to the sheep. That's really the big indicator. There were, people knew that back then people would jump over the sheepfold and steal sheep and throw them over. I know that sounds strange, but it was a thing that happened. And the way that you could always tell that there was a robber in the midst would be the way in which they gained entry. There are doors for a reason, right? And so how did they gain entry in there? This is going to come into play in a few minutes. Because the true shepherd comes in in the legitimate way, in the designed way, through love, through calling, through care, through sacrifice. Verse 3, it, it actually says that he leads them out. And that is a distinct difference in the perception of God to many people. Because Jesus leads us. He doesn't push us. Jesus doesn't push us. He leads us. And that is a distinct difference in the way that people see God, in the way that people see Jesus. He, he does not push us. He leads us. The sheep belong to the shepherd. They know his voice, trusting him as they follow him, as it says in verse 2. Do you know his voice? Let me ask you that. Do you know his voice? Are you even listening for his voice? It's an important question to ask. This world can get so, boy, convoluted and busy and, and we can just struggle with the next minute, going to the next thing, to the next. And are we really listening to the voice of God? Because that might have influenced your perception. Because we can have a false perception of God and a false perception of the love of God. And maybe it's because we haven't truly heard his voice Maybe he's not your shepherd yet, and that's why you don't really know his voice, because maybe he's not your shepherd. So whether you're here or you're watching online, I would ask you right now, would, would you consider Jesus your shepherd right now? Because our experiences influence our perceptions. The things that we go through, the things that happen in our life, the stuff that we go through influences our perception of this or that, and especially when it comes to God. Our experiences influence our perception of God. When we try to understand the love of God, sometimes the things that we've gone through influence how we perceive God's love. We may struggle with the love of God because of maybe some messed up experiences that we've gone through, and we compare that to God's perfect love, and that's that's not the right way to compare things because God's love is perfect. But yet the things we've gone through make us think that God's love maybe is this or is that. And that's not the right way. Jesus is making a clear case for the perfect love of God here. 
And when we contrast the things that have gone on in our life, maybe the, the, the relational experiences with other people that have just been completely jacked up, and then we think that maybe that has, a, has an influence on God's love for us. See, he is the good shepherd. He is the good shepherd, and, and so he goes first through the door and through the valley before he asks me to go through it. And that is a big difference that we need to look at here for just a second. As the good shepherd, he is the one that leads us through the valley. And if you're going through a valley and you've not been following the good shepherd, that might be the reason why things don't seem like they're adding up right. Because you may be following a voice that's not his voice. Look at Hebrews 4.15. It says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. See, he was tempted in all points, just like we are. It's funny, you, you go through something, maybe you are going through something, and, and people with very good intentions will say something to you along the lines of, yeah, I, I understand. And in the back of your head, you're like, no, you don't. No, you don't. And, and they mean well when they're saying that, but I think sometimes that might be something we all might want to just think about when we use that in our vocabulary, just a side note, because sometimes that could even be the, the, the worst thing in the world to say to that particular person, depending on what they're going through. But isn't it great to know that Jesus does, that Jesus does understand. He doesn't force you into battle. He doesn't drive you into any given trial. He understands because he's been there and he's done that. There is nothing you will ever face. Listen to this. There is nothing you will ever face that he hasn't felt or is presently feeling. He understands and he leads. That's how he loves. And that should be encouraging to us today. Let's keep reading. Verse 7. So Jesus again said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. And you can always tell when a stranger creeps into the flock because there's division and, and the sheep scatter. But I want you to notice something in here that maybe you did notice is that Jesus says twice in these couple verses that he is the door. He says he is the door. And so you may be thinking, okay, so is he the good shepherd or is he the door? Yes. <laughs> That's the answer. Here's the thing. A sheepfold, how many shepherds we got here? That's what I thought. Okay. Remember, know your audience, right? Jesus knew his audience. So a sheepfold in the day, the, the pen, if you will, maybe that, that kept the sheep, the sheep in, there was no door. There was an opening that was the door. Do you know what the door was? The shepherd. The shepherd would literally lie down in front of the door and become the door. And the sheep knew that. That's how devoted he was to his flock. And the sheep knew 
that he was at the door. And so literally the shepherd was saying, if you want to come in here, you got to go through me first. And sheep, if you want to get out, you got to go through me first. He's saying, I am the door. I am the one that is protecting the sheep. I am the one that they must pass through. And I'm going to lead in that way and in such a way that I'm going to literally lay down my life for the sheep. And so Jesus is saying, I am the shepherd on duty and I am the one whose job it is to guard the flock. And that's how he feels about you. And that's how he feels about me. And that is how he loves. And that is an amazing thing. And that is just such an amazing analogy there that Jesus was drawing. And every time you read that, you may be kind of wondering what he was getting at. That's what he was getting at. That he is the door, capital T-H-E, door for you and for me. Let's keep reading. Verse 10 says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. That has a whole different context to it now, doesn't it? See, he's not near the door or just sitting by the door. He is the door and everyone else is a ripoff. And this is foundational. This is foundational to the resurrection because when he is saying he is the door, he is still there for you and for me right now as the door because he is alive. He conquered death, hell, and the grave and he rose again and he's coming back for us one day and he is still the door. And whether you, whether you want to believe it or not or whether you, whether you care or not, Buddha is still dead. Confucius is still dead. Mohammed is still dead. Jesus is not. And he is still the door. And he is there because, yeah, amen, because he loves us. And his love is for the good of the sheep, for you and for me. His love is for the good of the sheep. And, and he's not like the hired hand that's talked about in, in verse 13, which we didn't read, that, that takes off when trouble rises. No, 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 no. He's lying down there as the door and saying, if you want to get to them, you got to go through me. And he wants us to have an abundant life, as it says right here. Wants us to have life abundantly. And I think we get that word confused sometimes because a lot of times we think abundant life just means like no worries, no cares, party all the time and, and all of that. And like just yay, like happy-go-lucky, life is free. That is not what Jesus was talking about. Um, in fact, abundant life, abundant life in Jesus is, isn't always especially long. It could be, may not be. Abundant life isn't always easy or comfortable, which we like to maybe think that that's what he means by have abundant life. When we use this verse, I've, I've heard this verse used out of context many times. That's not what Jesus means. In fact, if you read the words of Jesus to his disciples and, and even through into the letters of Paul, um, the complete opposite is really what Jesus promised in many, many ways. If you follow me, this is not going to be an easy road all of the time. It's not gonna be easy and comfortable, but abundant life is a life of satisfaction and contentment in Jesus. And that's the difference. A life of satisfaction and contentment in Jesus. And you might try to fill your life with 
different things that maybe bring temporary satisfaction or temporary fulfillment or temporary purpose. But unless you are finding your life in Jesus, those things are going to be just that, temporary. They're only going to last for so long. And so we need to fill our life with Jesus because that's eternal. That is life. That is, that is Christ's community purpose, right? That can only be filled by Jesus. That is the door that he's talking about. Look at verse 14 and 15. It says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. He is the good shepherd. His is a love and care that's sacrificial and, and protective and unforced and unconditional. And this passage should really also make all of us kind of reevaluate how well we are reflecting God's love because yes, understanding God's love and how much he loves us is an exciting thing. It's an awesome thing. And it's something that should encourage us, but it's also something that we shouldn't just keep to ourselves. It's something that should almost, we should almost be forced, like we're going to bust if we don't share it with those around us. It doesn't mean that we should isolate ourselves from God's people. Let's stick with the sheep analogy here for a second. Did you know, I didn't, that there are over 10,000 breeds of domestic sheep? Right? That's a lot. Here's the thing, though. If we're going to carry this analogy all the way through, as Jesus likes to, I don't think he picked sheep for just a random reason. We should expect a variety of folks within the flock. Unlike animals, though, unlike animals, we belong to one flock and we have one shepherd. And that's an incredible thing. We are part of one flock and one and we have one shepherd. And so embracing God's love for us is going to help us to love others. And for this culture of one flock and one shepherd to permeate forward begins with the love of God. Even though we're going to mess up, and we are, even though we're going to mess up and, and we, we may struggle because there's people that are different than us, and we should still love people, though, with the same generosity, with the same kindness, with the same love that Jesus embodied. Now, let's think about this on the other side for just a minute. Whether you're here, whether you're watching at home, maybe you have been shunned or cast out by people in the past. Maybe you're even feeling that right now in, in situations that you're at. Maybe, maybe these are people that were friends, friends. Maybe these are people that were Christian friends. You know, the love and care that you expected to receive there just wasn't there. And it rubs you wrong. And, and instead, your heart's grown skeptical and, and calloused toward, toward the church, maybe. And to a degree, I get that. Barna actually says, there was a study done by Barna among unchurched adults that shows that nearly four out of every 10 non-church-going Americans, listen to this, 37% said that they avoid churches because of negative past experiences in churches or with church people. 37%. 
Jesus' teaching should challenge us. Yes, we, we need to acknowledge the imperfections. They're there. We screw up. I screw up all the time. We don't always get this right. But we can keep getting better and we can be driven by the love of God and by the things that we're for, not the things that we're against. We can be driven by the fact that there is a world out there that needs to know the love of Jesus that are going to die without him. And unfortunately, there's, there's way too many people that are in that boat that don't care. And I think some of the reason is because maybe we don't care enough. I know that's sort of hard to hear. But you know, God's love, it's not fake and it's not forced. And we can embrace his perfect love even if our experiences with other people and have, have maybe left other people feeling skeptical, we can still embrace God's love because we are one flock with one shepherd. Or at least we should be. Let's keep reading here in verse 27. I love this passage. My sheep hear my voice and I know them. This is the words of Jesus, by the way. And they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of the father's hand. I and the father are one. This is just such a great passage. I, I, I read this every time I get the privilege to lead somebody to Jesus in salvation. I will read this passage to them. Because it's, it's what we call eternal security. It's knowing, it's, it's that idea that you cannot lose your salvation and it's right here in the words of Jesus. As he talks about being the good shepherd that takes care of his sheep. The hands that created the world are also the hands that are holding on to you and you can trust that he will never let go of you. Once you are in the sheepfold, once you are in the flock, he will never let go go. No matter what you do, there's nothing you can do to make him love you more and there's nothing you can do to make him love you less. You are one of his. So like a kid crossing the street, we have God the Father holding our hand on this side and Jesus holding our hand on this side. And we walk across the street knowing and trusting that he's not going to let us go no matter what we're crossing and no matter what we're walking through, we know who's holding our hands as we walk through because we can trust his love and we know how he loves us. And we're eternally secure. We are eternally secure in his hands because we are secure in the eternal one and you can never lose it. And don't let anyone tell you any different. If you are a follower of Jesus and you have put your faith and trust in him, you are eternally secure no matter what. You're gonna mess up. Yes, you are. I'm going to mess up. Yes, I am. Does that mean I'm going to lose my salvation with Jesus? No, it does not. And you can't show me a verse that tells me otherwise. It's very clear here that Jesus loves us and is always going to be there with us and holding us. And he's got us in his hand. And I love how my dad always used to say, you might try to poke your head out, but he loves you so much that he's just going to poke your head back in. Your experiences might have influenced your perception of God. But make no mistake that the good shepherd, he loves you so much that he made himself the door for you and for me. So the connection point for the day, 
I can't think of a better one than this. Jesus is the good shepherd. Jesus is the good shepherd. So how does he love us? As the good shepherd. All the care, all the protection, and the provision of the shepherd that are there for the sheep. And the sheep mean more to him than anything else. And there's not one sheep that means more to him than another. There's not one of us that mean more to God than another. He loves all of us. And he came and died and rose from the grave for every single one of us. He laid down his life for all of us. And there is no limit to his love and compassion. You can try to put a limit on it, but you'll be wrong because there's no limit to it. And our Heavenly Father doesn't ask us to earn His love. He gives it to us through mercy and grace. There's nothing you can do to earn His love. You can try and try and try, but you're not going to be good enough. You're always going to come up short. It's always going to be filthy rags, as it says in Scripture, compared to the perfect, holy God. But He loves us so much that He became the door, that He is the way, the truth, and the life, the way to go through. And God never gives up on you. He never gives up on you. He will never give up on you because he is faithful, he is relentless, and he is redemptive. Because whatever you've gone through, whatever you're going through, he can redeem you from that. Because he is the good shepherd. And that's how he loves Will you bow your heads with me? I asked a question a little bit ago about whether you can hear the voice of God and whether you're even listening for him and that part of the reason you may not feel like you even hear the voice of God is because maybe Jesus isn't your shepherd. Maybe the Holy Spirit has shown you that or maybe you've come to the place where you're ready and willing to admit that. And if Jesus isn't your shepherd, don't let the next few minutes go by without getting that right and coming into the sheepfold. He loves you so much that he laid his life down for you. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, if you're not hearing the voice of the good shepherd, I would love to talk with you. I'd love to pray with you. I know that we've got people here that would, that would love to have a conversation with you as well. You just need to pray. Maybe recommit your life to the Lord. You can do that today as well. If you're watching online, you can go to connectchurch.xyz next. You can find out more about having a relationship with Jesus. You can chat in the comments right there as well. If you want to know more, if you, if you want to talk with somebody, I'd love to talk with you today. You could feel free to come down front and pray, or I can meet you at the orange wall, or maybe even talk to the person that's next to you and, and let them know. Father, I thank you so much for this opportunity we have to be together in your house. Lord, I thank you for your love that is so amazing. I thank you that you are the good shepherd and that you are the door, Lord, and that we, we know that no one is going to get to us unless they go through you first. And we thank you so much for your love and your protection and your mercy and your grace. We thank you that you love us so much that you gave 
everything for us. And you conquered death, hell, and the grave so that we can have a relationship with you and we can spend eternity with you. Because you could not bear the thought of losing even one of your sheep. So amazing, Lord. We don't deserve it and we thank you and we praise you for it. Lord, if there's one here that doesn't know you, if there's one watching online that doesn't know you, hasn't made that decision yet, that maybe don't feel like they can hear your voice, Lord, let let today be the day of salvation for them. I pray that today would be the day that, that they would be able to know for sure that they're gonna spend eternity with you. Help us as we go out of here in the next few minutes, Lord, to love people and to be a reflection of your love. Lord, now that we maybe have a deeper and better understanding of your love for us. Help us to love others that as you give us divine appointments every day, Lord, help us to see those and to love people. We love you. We praise you. We thank you in Jesus name. Amen.